Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today's episode of Motherfuck Lore is brought to you by the show's sponsors and Patreon. Patreon supporters, such as Sarah Hart and Peter Devlin, helped make today's show possible and they get access to a range of additional benefits, bonus episodes, and much more. You can support us at patreon.com forward slash Derek. And now, the show. From the Heads of Podcast Network, welcome to Motherfucker, a podcast of words. Irish. Irish words. And words from Ireland. I am Derek O'Shea. I'm Geraldine McAvoy. And I'm Pado Kervonik. There was an extended period of calling each other's bluff there to see who would be who would be second. <laughs> you think that after living in Finland for as long as I am, I'd be I'd be comfortable with silences, but no, I'm still not able for it. <laughs> Listen. Long L pauses between saying things are apparently all the rage now ever since the normal people were doing the thing early on this year. Oh, but there was loads of mumbling and huffing and fretting in that. So it wasn't not, really a pause in the silence. That's, that's not all there was. <laughs> oh, there's a fear. There's, there's, there's a fierce amount of fumbling as well as mumbling. I, I tell you, the, 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 new, the new Biddy and Miley is what they were. I get a sense of pride. So it's on the uh, the like RTE player version here and like loads of people have contacted me and been like, hey, have you watched this? And I get a little bit of pride and then also an intense need to tell people about Joe Duffy when they ask me, have I seen it? And that they liked it. And I'm like, yeah, but come here and I'll tell you about Joe Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, first of all, having to explain what Joe Duffy is to people. It's like, yeah, it's like imagine a parochial notice board. Except it's by phone and it's on national radio and everyone tweets about it. And it's wildly popular. <laughs> and the host just winds people up who are really not suited to being wound up at all, at all, at all. Sure, sure, sure. D- Derek, you, 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 you were watching normal people and, and you're, you're, you're livid. You said there was too many bums in it. It's, it's, a, it's a disgrace, Joe. I saw a Mickey. <laughs> It's like what you'd see in a porn, Joe. What would you see in a porn, Mary? <laughs> Greatest piece of radio there's ever been. Well, one of, the, one of the things, one of the side effects of normal people was that GAA shorts became very popular as well as little, little chains for fellas. But now, a couple of months later or years later in 2020, as it feels, <laughs> another item of traditional Irish wear has become fashionable. And it's all down to a popular musician called Taylor Swift. Um, Garajin, you know more about her than us two alphalas. Yes, I do. Um, and just warning at the outset for anybody who's going to criticise me for liking Taylor Swift, I don't care. Get out. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. Okay, I am a proud Swiftie since I was like 15 years old and I adore her new album. So she dropped an album today when we're recording called Folklore and many of the promo shots 
feature her wearing a very comfy looking jumper and it's an iron jumper. She also has a song on it called Cardigan and wears a very nice like Aaron style cardigan in some of the other promo shots. And I'm very into it. It looks very cozy. Taylor looks very, very warm. She does, doesn't she? I mean like yeah. it's 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 warm, like Tasha Anna Verov her father. It's very yeah. it's very mm-hmm. sultry at the moment, the weather. I was looking at it thinking <laughs> the poor poor girl must be sweating. Well, yeah, but you see if it's made of wool, it's breathable, so it'll be fine. Should be grand, be grand, you know? Yeah. Very yeah. good. Yeah. If it's a nice natural material, it should be fine. Absolutely, will breathes, especially if you're wearing it with a nice pair of GA shorts. You, you know, you get, you, you, get, I, you, I, you, I you master your temperature control. I was willing to gloss over it once, but like there, there, there's enough of a debate as to whether or not Aaron jumpers are really traditional enough. GA shorts certainly are not. They are not. They're not part of our national costume. Excuse me. Excuse me. I didn't think that this would be the hill that I was going to die on, but here I am, planting my flag. How fucking dare you? <laughs> I, I, I shed blood for these Timahoe Gaelic football club shorts. I'll have you know. Oh my God. Okay, I'll actually have you. I will have you know. Excuse me. Timahoe, until about the year 2003, maybe, didn't have a crest. And there was a competition in Timahoe National School to design a crest. And yours truly won that competition. So oh. on all of the GAA shorts and Timahoe GAA, I designed that crest. And I didn't get any copywriting for it. I got like a 50 euro voucher. Or 50, 50 euro? It was yours at the time. Voucher for like a local sports shop. And that was it. I should have trademarked oh. it or something. Jesus, I've just had a, I've just had a look at Timahoe GAA's Facebook page. And it looks like they're actually using... Your hand-drawn version. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's the, with the harp and the the round the tower. The harp and the round it. tower and the Gaelic script and Tig Yeah, Shin Yeah, that. I did all of that. There you are now. God, you are uh, you're world famous. The one thousand. Whoever runs my Vicka page, pe- uh, page, please put that on it. <laughs> that's a phenomenal achievement. God, yeah, so that's yeah. We're, I'm very impressed. That's my I know. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you are one of my three Facebook friends who follow uh, Timahoe GA Club. So they are. I need to know who you are. Though, so you can tell me later. <laughs> <I'll tell you> <laughs> later. <laughs> it's all all glamour, glamorous people, you know. So it's it's fair to say that when when Taylor um, appeared on the internet um, wearing this jumper, it broke Irish Twitter. Yeah, she broke the internet. Yeah, she like did. Connell's chain or Connell's Mickey broke the internet. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I can't control myself. <laughs> <laughs> His Bally Harness sausage. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yes, it's the, the, and the reaction and one of one of the most common jokes and the other way is a lot of kind of fellows, you know, maybe thirty over thirty who kind of um who think of a joke that's already been made ten times and then they say, well, this joke needs to be made an eleventh time. Oh, I'm feeling very seen. I'm feeling very seen here. <laughs> I wish to be Mister Eleven. <laughs> if I can't be Mr. Eleven, I'll be the twelfth. <laughs> what what joke, yeah, what joke are you referring to then, Dad? And the joke was okay, and, and I'm not I'm not I know there is other people making jokes about kind of some of her co contributors on the like the the national and John Bon Iver and all these other lads who kind of worked with other music. But the other joke was made that she appeared not unlike the one of the Clancy brothers. The Clancy sisters. The Clancy sister. Right, the slightly more successful Clancy not, sister. Not, yeah, not that I subscribe to the binary, but yeah. She's the Andrea to their, the other ones. Oh, the that's not, no, let's not bring, let's not bring the cores into this because the Clancy brothers were cool. 
the Clancy Brothers the cl- were shit cool. They were they were bigger cool. than the Beatles. They were, they were massive. Like they were. I think I think we tend to we have this weird association uh, and sort of opinion of our own cultural heritage. Like, have you ever heard people refer to trad music as diddly eye music? Yeah. Like, it drives me I mental. Have. It drives me mental. I know why they're saying it because it, it encapsulates the rhythm and sort of says it. But like anybody who says that kind of says they're saying that it's a bit twee and a bit embarrassing and not what we want to be associated with. And that kind of, that affected the fame of the Clancy brothers here in Ireland. They were, massive internationally they were the biggest boy band in the world before the beatles i think that feeds into something though that's a little bit about irish culture anyways that we're we're inherently like weird about things that like represent us like trad music or like maybe irish dancers might be seen as like twee girls with like you know curly hair and not to be taken seriously and then when somebody um you know, makes it cool so and, and it becomes big on, on like an international stage, then we're like, oh, okay, that's fine. But can you imagine if like, like we were talking about normal people, if that was just like a small RT budget production, like I feel people would have been really, really like not into it. But the fact that it became so popular na- internationally is people were like, hey, this is actually pretty cool. This- but we're kind of weird about like taking ownership over our own cultural iconography and stuff. This is extremely true. And you do, uh, under comments about, on, on articles about Dairy Girls, normal people and Father Ted, people say, oh, you know, RT would have passed, passed over in this since they, they had to get it made abroad. But like, it wouldn't have been accepted if it was made by RT. Mm. In fact, when, I remember when once came out the movie, the Glenn Anzard, um, or Kit Ergolva movie came out, it initially was just released in Ireland. And it was very poorly received, critically kind of um, sniffed at. And then when Steven Spielberg said he liked it and it did well in one of the American film festivals, suddenly people forgot about the review they about four months ago. <laughs> they forgot about the reader said, is that your man outspan from the commitments? Mm-hmm. <laughs> your man out of the frames has done a movie. <laughs> Indeed. Like the Clancy the Clancy brothers though, like nobody nobody talks about them. I, I just I find it so sad and so upsetting because w- without the Clancy brothers there's no there's definitely no Bob Dylan. There's probably no oh, Pete Seeger, like, you know, and Peggy Seeger, of course, even Ewan McCall, and then Christy Moore, um, the Dubliners, like, everyone sort of owes some kind of aspect of their 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 musical heritage to the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Makem, the, the, the originals. Yes. They were unreal. And prior to the arrival of the Clancy Brothers in New York... Irish music was not really well understood. In fact, Brian's going to put in a small clip of a piece of music called the Diddly Eye Irish Mambo, which you're all going to enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. What do you think they're dancing to? Sure, it's a mambo beat with an Irish air. Sure, and it just came over from over there. It's, it's the diddly Irish mambo. Look at the sweet Colleen with her gay gossoon. Doing a mambo step to an Irish tune. Didn't they win a prize at the harvest moon? With the diddly Irish mambo. We're back from that interesting piece of music. Wasn't that awful? Interesting is is a hell of a word. 
<laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yes, it was a wonderful interlude. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. But, but because the, the, the Clancy Brothers and Time Maken were actually introduced by um, by researchers working for the Smithsonian who are look, looking at Irish culture, Irish songs that might be lost, given the, I guess, the, the ma- massive emigration and other issues facing rural Ireland. And Time Maken obviously was um, from Armagh and the, the Clancy Brothers were from the Tipperary the Brookware Tipperary area and Tipperary um, Waterford border Carrick and Tipperary Waterford border yeah and they, the, they so they, they all went up they all emigrated for various different reasons none of them emigrated to make their fortune in show business uh, strangely enough they um, the the older two of the Clancy brothers Paddy and Tom had both served in uh, in in the Royal Air Force the British Royal Air Force in World War Two fighting the Nazis and they emigrated to Canada. Um, they went over, and this is a brilliant story, they went over on, on a ship with 400 war brides, 400 women who had married American and Canadian soldiers and sailors during the war and were later being shipped over to meet them. Uh, the only men on board were Paddy, Tom, a friend of theirs called Pat Casey and the ship sailors. They said it was the best journey they've ever had in their entire lives. Uh, <laughs> <but> they, <laughs> what happened was they they sort of, they, they started a production company. They wanted to make... Uh, stage shows and, and movies and some of these some of these plays some of these stage shows the Clancy Brothers were in because they were really successful on and off Broadway some of them included Irish songs the traditional Irish songs that they would have heard growing up and it turns out that they all four Clancy Brothers uh, had uh, really really good voices like there was a there was Paddy and Tom were over first and then Bobby went over and then Bobby went back to Carrick and Shore to take over the family insurance business and Liam the youngest brother um emigrated and went over and then you're right they were introduced to Tommy Makem by uh, researchers at the Smithsonian Institute because um, Tommy Makem's mother was one of the people one of the traditional singers that uh, they had recorded and recorded songs that nobody else had versions of uh, and so they started gigging together and like, I think one of my one of my favorite things is they couldn't think of a name for the group the, some of them one of them wanted to call it the beggar men another one wanted to call call them the the tinkers another one wanted to call them the chieftains and they couldn't think of it and eventually they were playing in this in this pub one evening and the the manager of the pub just said you know you know feck it like I can't wait on you guys to come up with a name so he put up on the sign outside playing tonight the Clancy brothers and Tommy Makem <laughs> and the stars were born. It stuck. Like it was utterly incredible. They they ended up being spotted by scouts uh, for what was the biggest TV show at the time, the uh, the Ed Sullivan Show. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. you know, like th- at this stage, their second album was out. They had done an album of Rebel songs, and then they did an album of Drinking songs. And they were on the pub circuit. They were playing all the Irish pubs across the east coast of the United States and as far inland as Chicago. And they they ended up being uh, uh, seen by scouts from the Ed Sullivan Show. And just through happenstance, two incredible things happened. First of all, the second band that were due to play the Ed Sullivan show that night um, cancelled. So instead of having just two songs, the Clancy Brothers had 15 minutes of screen time to something like 60 million people who were watching that night. Uh, And of course it was recorded and you can still watch the appearance on YouTube and it's absolutely fantastic. And then the other quirky, strange thing that happened was that night they were wearing... Uh, jumpers that their mother had sent over uh, to keep them warm in the winter because she had read the previous year that like New York had had terrible snowstorms so she sent over a bunch of jumpers for the lads that she'd made herself in the Aran pattern the 
whether or not it's traditional, we can discuss, but, uh, you know, there were iron jumpers anyway. And they wore them at a gig one evening to keep warm. And their their manager, M- Marty Ehrenreich, the same guy who discovered Barbara Streisand, he was managing them at the time. And he just said, that's it. That's the look I've been looking for. Iron jumpers. That's it. That's perfect, boys. Wear those. So they wore those iron jumpers um, on the Ed Sullivan show. And 60 million people or so in America saw it. And then hundreds of millions around the world saw it. And the sale of iron jumpers rocketed 700%. And they saved the entire iron knitwear industry. Singing tunes and drinking pints on the Ed Sullivan Show. Isn't it something? And because um, having that kind of coordinated look and so often these things do happen by accident kind of that people like the kind of the Hugh Grant haircut the, in, in Four Weddings and a Funeral the Rachel haircut in Friends the uh, other kind of uh, the Clancy Brothers jumpers and so often people and Abba's costumes as well often they happen either by accident or for tax reasons but the Clancy Brothers just happen to have a mother who was an accomplished knitter but we have an accomplished knitter on the Mother Folklore team Yes, you do. And that's why I'm here today, because I wasn't going to let you do an episode about Taylor Swift and knitting without being involved in it. So here I am. <laughs> so yeah, I, and I actually knit. Uh, so I'm a knitter, but I, I favour Aaron knitting. So if I'm knitting, usually it's like an Aaron pattern because um, I really like doing it. So what would be the kind of the what would be the characteristics of an Aaron pattern compared to maybe some of the other patterns you might find yourself knitting? Yeah, so Aaron is, it's a lot of, so with, with Aaron, usually you will use um, your two needles, the, the needles that hold your, your yarn and your project. And then you have a cable, a third, like small little needle that is like double pointed on each end. And that's a cable needle. And you use that to make the, like the patterns. So you have these like diamonds or cables that they're like braids almost mm-hmm. and ribbing and stuff. Um, and it ends up being uh, really, really thick and really heavy heavy so um in prep for this episode I was kind of talking to Derek about it and like I think there's an assumption that like Aaron is really hard to knit and I get it that it is like but for me I don't think once you learn how to use a cable needle so a cable needle is essentially you take like two or four stitches off the work and you put it in front or behind your work and then you put them back on so you create this like twist and then the twist creates a pattern and once you know how to do that um that's essentially all there is to it but it's just really, really time intensive. Like it's just, it's really, it takes a really long time. I'm not necessarily a very fast knitter, but like even for a fast knitter, it would take you like one sweater would take you months. Like, and it's so like, I can't, I can't tell you like the weight of it when you're holding it. Like, it's not something you can just like do on the number 46, like, because it's so massive, <laughs> it's so heavy that you can't just, there comes a point where you're like, okay, I can't carry this around with me anymore. Like, because I need to bring a separate bag for my knitting. Um, I remember going on, a, I, I kind of got it, re got into, got into knitting again in the last 10 years or so when I started doing a lot of traveling because you can knit on airplanes if you have wooden needles. Uh, pro tip for any knitters out there who aren't sure. Um, hmm. But uh, I, I would bring like a separate bag for my knitting and like, and there came a point where I was like knitting across other people in the aisle when I was doing like a big iron sweater. And I was like, okay, you got to stop knitting now. You're actually taking up space in the airplane and people hate you because you're this weirdo who's got this like massive fucking jumper across her sweater or across <laughs> her knees, like uh, knitting it. But um, yeah, I don't know whether it's, it's definitely in the knitting community. It's very popular. Um, so Ravelry is like knitting social media. Um, and there's like whole sections dedicated to iron sweaters. I'm actually waiting for somebody to put up a pattern for Taylor Swift's jumper because as I said, it's lovely. Um, 
but uh, it's definitely associated with Ireland. One of the like stitches that is used in in uh, Ireland's knitting is called Irish moss stitch. So it kind of looks like moss. Like there's these little diamonds of like what looks like moss. Um, and that's a pretty common pattern. Some of the pictures of the Clancy Brothers, you can see that they have that type of knitting in their sweaters. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's definitely associated whether or not it's traditional, I don't know, but it's definitely associated now with Ireland. And then when you think of the Aran sweater shops, so you have the uh, Blarney Woolen Mills and you have the shops on the Aran Islands. Inishmore has one. I don't know about the other two islands. And there's one of those shops across from Trinity College on College Green. Um, so anyone familiar with those areas will know those sweater shops. And they have all of those traditional uh, jumpers usually made from from uh, wool as well, which is very expensive to do. I tend to use polyester wool because... Really? Yeah, it's really expensive. And then also, if you... Like, wool is really scratchy. Mm. So if you're knitting an entire... I normally don't do, like, adult sweaters because I did one for myself and for quite a while during it I was unemployed so I didn't have anything else to be doing and it mm -hmm. took me nine months to, build, to like put together to build essentially you're building it like it's very very time intensive they, um, this, this is why like, they, they say isn't it that it's it's bad luck to get to knit a jumper for a partner because um, they can't understand the amount of work that's gone into it and appreciate the gift correctly and oh I've never heard that and I've also it, never made a jumper for a partner <laughs> Possibly just as well, because I think I think they say that there's um, I guess the you know when you when maybe when you start the when we start the jumper uh, starting knitting the jumper the relationships at a different stage than it is at, at the end of yeah. the jumper by the time you're finished yeah, yeah and that might be very true yeah it's the hello magazine effect what's the hello magazine effect I don't you know, understand what you know they say in hello magazine a couple well maybe this is uh, maybe I'm not sure if it's true anymore but back in the nineties it was a case that when a couple celebrated their relationship by a pictorial in hello magazine they would be divorced by the time it came out. Oh my gosh, gas. What? <laughs> the nineties are a crazy time. <laughs> oh yes. Now they now um, they don't even wait that long. It's just why wait until it comes out? Just get divorced. Who buys magazines though? Do people still buy magazines? I don't know. Do magazines still exist? I have no idea. That being said, actually I buy knitting magazines all the time. Actually, <laughs> I'm full of shit. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and you know there's a, reason, there's a reason for knitting magazines to exist. It's a, it was funny you mentioned this because I remember when um, the RT guide used to have knitting patterns every every issue that it came out, and then when some of the rival TV magazines came out in Ireland, and really, I mean, there was a time when you didn't really need much of a TV magazine situation in Ireland because there's only a couple of channels, <laughs> or, and one channel for a while. But like, um, and they the new ones came out. They said, "Oh, we're, we're cool. We don't have knitting patterns." And then it's like the RT guy was almost embarrassed into removing their knitting patterns, and then knitting became cool again. Oh. Did it? When did it become cool? Because I'm still facing that you you missed. No, no, no. no. It became. I thought it became cool um, yesterday when Taylor okay. Swift put on an iron okay. jumper. Sweet. <laughs> Keep up, Garadine. <laughs> so, I, I, I think knitting became quite cool around the time. I think I remember when 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 New Girl began. Obviously, and New Girl is having a, a new life in oh, Netflix yeah. at the moment. Uh, there was this moment that this uh, of the of the cool nerd, the Zoe Deschanel type was of that was that knitting or crocheting even I think maybe it's crocheting that became popular crocheting is quicker that's definitely become popular like yeah 
I, I envy crochet. I can't crochet and it takes like way less time. So yeah, what, What's the difference? Crochet has little hook things, has it? Yeah, crochet is one hand essentially. Well, yeah, it's just one little hook and then I don't, yeah, you just speed through it. Whereas knitting is two and then iron knitting is three Socks is like, if you're knitting socks, you're using like five needles. Like you're an insane person for knitting what? socks. Um, yeah, they do. It's really popular. So knitting is quite actually popular here in Finland. And it's very popular to knit socks. And they knit these like scratchy woolen socks. As I said, I don't use wool because it ends up ripping my fingers. The, thre- the threads, like it's just not an enjoyable experience. But if you've got a really cold winter, you need a good woolen sock. Um, and people are super into knitting. And they have these tiny, like they've got like six needles on the go. And I'm just like amazed by them but uh yeah crocheting then is just the one hook and i don't i don't know i don't understand it's a, it's a beer on ravelry as well a beer on crochet is a crochet hook am i right in irish i don't know Scalia, I believe it is. Yeah, no it's a needle either way <laughs> it's a it's a needle either way uh for whether you're crocheting or ignit oil it's a hook when you're crocheting. Yeah, but as, as I'm, I'm merely saying that the terminology according to O'Donnell is the same, whether it's a hook or a needle. needle. It could cause all, courts, all kinds of mayhem. But he probably that wasn't sounds a- like That sounds like to me, so this this is actually, this is a weird pet peeve that I have. Okay. But like very, every now and then in like movies and TV, they like to like make somebody appear quirky or boring or like old by them knitting. Mm-hmm. And they have the actor talking about crocheting and they're holding a knitting needle or vice versa or worse still this drives me up the wall they have people like knitting within inverted commas but they're clearly not knitting and it drives me fucking demented <laughs> i don't know why i get so annoyed about it and like, they're just like poking at like a knitted project and i'm like you're very clearly not even holding the needles like like wh- who did this who's the continuity <laughs> expert on this i want to talk to somebody now <laughs> you see you, you stay back yeah, stay back and watch the credits and see who the knitting consultant was. <laughs> and write them a very strongly worded letter. <laughs> in, in Titanic, when Leonardo DiCaprio is doing the Irish dancing, you can just see his head. Then you see someone else's feet moving and then yeah. you go back to his head. Yeah, not buying it. Not buying it. I need a whole body shot or I'm not <laughs> or I'm not believing it. And similarly, oh yeah, all those people playing piano. And then suddenly you see their face and they're making all those piano faces, their happy piano face. Oh, yeah. And then you see their hands. Someone's but are completely disconnected. Definitely someone else's hands. You can tell but from they the don't age. even bother getting uh, uh, like a, a knitter, knitting double for like TV shows, which upsets me. They bother with the piano and stuff. They have to have somebody playing, but they never bother having somebody knitting. So annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just don't take it as seriously as the Clancy Brothers or Taylor Swift did. You know? I know. I just know. Uh, those people shown some real respect to knitwear. I think that's that's a credit to them. The the one thing I do want to add is though, like. It's not really like iron jumpers are not really that old. And there's a lot of mythology around yeah. iron jumpers. But they were, mm-hmm. most historians reckon now that they were probably introduced between the 1890s and the turn of the 20th century when, as part of the work in the what, were, what was called the Congested Districts Board, which looked after rural Ireland, um, a, a lot of fishermen from Guernsey were sort of brought in to. Uh, to take um to take charge of of like or to sort of show their expertise in fishing on the west coast of Ireland, and they would have they would have done a lot of workshops with local people who would have seen their essentially waterproof jumpers, and and copied them, 
And there is mythology as well that like every family had a pattern that was unique to them and you could identify yeah. a drowned body. Nothing so sinister, really. Nothing so morbid or macabre about the jumpers other than they were just recognised for what they were. Lovely, warm, waterproof jumpers that you could wear out on the boat and you can wear them underneath your oilskins and you're not going to freeze mm. to death. That's that's the point of them. That's what they're there for. And, you know, the Clancy Brothers, play- Taylor Swift, they rock a good iron jumper. And yes. Plano economics comes into it too because there was a, there was a wool boom globally in in the 1950s and then Ireland just decided to hop, get, get involved on that and the iron sweater became much more popular when wool was becoming more popular and it became less popular when there was a, a massive crash in the wool market in 1966. So it's and, mean like, and, and that was when the Clancy brothers were beginning to split up. They, mm-hmm. they, they, oh, they, they weren't together they, with Tommy Meckin by the end of the, the 60s. So. They fought like brothers. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> you, thought, you thought the Beatles fought. <laughs> oh man, that's sad because I think one of the, one of the older Clancy brothers wanted to be an actor and wanted to kind of do more of that, and was was less reliable for touring gigs. Was it was it Tom? Was it Tommy? Yeah, yeah. Was, and obviously yeah. Tommy, but Tommy Makem famously told jokes in between his songs. And this is actually how Brendan Grace got started. When Brendan Grace started as a com- as a musician, he started telling jokes. People said, "Your jokes are better than your singing, mate." <laughs> Brendan Grace did have a hit with Rings and Rose. He actually was a lovely, lovely singer. He was a fantastic ballad singer. But I think he just recognised that the market was saturated and that his jokes were a little bit better, absolutely, than his singing. So that was his niche, and he carved it out. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was the kind of like. Their influence is unreal. Like without the Clancy Brothers yeah. and Tommy Makem, there's no Christy Moore. There's possibly no Dubliners. There's definitely no Bob Dylan. You know what I mean? Like God knows, even the and idea. There's no of, Iron Sweater Market. And there's on no Iron Sweater Market. And there's no yeah. and there's no folklore by Taylor Swift. Then and that would be exactly. tragic, tragic, tragic. And before we uh, wrap up, I mean, would um, Garage, would you say that Taylor Swift has a special relationship with Ireland or? Not so. I mean, there's... um. Well, her last album had a song on it and there was a line in it and I quote, I love the English. So <laughs> me not. Like, <laughs> I do skip that one. <laughs> oh, oh. She's she's going out with an English fella. Like, it's not her fault. God T- love her. Taylor, she doesn't understand. Taylor, is that a cry for help? Blink twice if you're okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. she's she's comes to Ireland usually on her tours and stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know if she has a special relationship. Another fun fact, whoever does my Wikipedia p- uh, page, please mm-hmm. update it with this. In 2000 and 2000, it would have been about 2008, seven or eight, maybe. No, later than that, 2009. I went to Colossal Lurgan and that's the guys who do the TV Lurgan. You know, they do all of those cover songs. They're really good ones. So, like, as a precursor to that, they used to do just, like, song competitions. They weren't as, as glamorous and they didn't have all the production. Um, but we would, like, translate songs into Irish and uh, everyone's, like, Bannon Tea House would win a prize then. But my house that year won uh, the competition for translating Taylor Swift's song Love Story into Irish. <gasps> You're very fucking welcome. And I have a T-shirt that says Is Bralan Gaelga on it because that's of my, that. I work about sometimes. That's my favourite Tay-Tay song. Do you still have the lyrics? Uh, I don't, but it, it's probably on the internet or on a CD somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go Googling. That's that's my number yeah. one. That's my number one Tay Tay song. Love that. It's a good one. It is a good one. In back, fairness, when yeah. still, back, back when she was still a country artist, essentially. Listen, have you listened to Folklore? There's a harmonica on one of the songs. I'm going to listen to it tonight. <laughs> Fantastic. She's going back to her roots. And... 
we could we could probably do a whole other episode in country music and we probably will because it is something that's also maligned and left but we are going to wrap up now this is a little bonus episode all for you wonderful motherfucker fans out there we're going to leave you now with the wonderful words of Liam Clancy oh I spend it in good company And all the harm I've done Alas, it was to none but me And all I've done for want of to memory now I can't recall So fill the parting last Good night and joy be So until the next time, it's a slant from me. Slant from me. Slant from me. Yay! Fuck it. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed this episode of Motherfucker Lore. Motherfucker comes out every Friday, or sometimes we do spare episodes that come out in the middle of the week on the Headstuff Podcast Network. You can contact Headstuff, who have excellent studio facilities if you want to make your own podcast. The link is in the bio. If you want to contact the show, you can email us at motherfucklore at headstuff.org. Thanks a million to Brian for doing the production work on this episode. Thank you very much to Kristen Scheel, who does our artwork. If you support Motherfucklore on Patreon, you can actually get a discount on Kirsten Scheel's prints, as well as bonus episodes and other benefits including monthly discounts on a range of Irish-related creators' activities. Join us on Friday for another episode. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. <laughs> We're going to end with... <laughs> Fuck, hang on, sorry. I... Was one of us supposed to sing a song? I...